This episode is sponsored by RLJE Films. Unveiled through a made-for-TV documentary, five tales of found footage horror emerge to take viewers on a terrifying journey into the grim underbelly of the 1980s in VHS 85. Now available on DVD and Blu-ray. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Creepy is proud to be a part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Please join me in welcoming and thanking new patrons. Heidi Wagner, Colleen Wayhill, Tarina Moon, Megan Washington, Charlie Meinhardt, Ishmael, Trenton Walker, Kim, Loretta A., Mallory C. Lindsay, Texas Desert Punk, Mel S., Chaotic Irons, Direct Funding Specialist 2, Nate New, Good Eye Might, Saeed, and Kenny Tidwell. If you'd like to see how you can support this podcast and get rewards like shoutouts, early commercial-free access to episodes, immediate access to over 400 Patreon-exclusive episodes, no seasons, no commitments. $5 gets you over 400 stories only heard by Patreon members. Not to mention other levels that include logo mugs, t-shirts, and more. Please visit patreon.com creepypod. And just a reminder, I'll be attending the live No Sleep Tour stop in Minneapolis on October 5th and providing the hug rewards outlined on Patreon. Don't make it weird. There are still tickets available for that show, so please... If you're at all interested in horror narration and the gold standard that I believe the No Sleep Podcast to be, please check them out. I've attended both previous shows performing at last year's, and while I'm just there as a fan this year, I can't recommend them enough. And if you aren't in the Minneapolis area, check out their other stops at thenosleeppodcast.com tour dash two. The link is also in the show notes. Some showings are already sold out, so get your tickets now. Speaking of which... Now. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents A child without eyes waved to me from another car as I was driving. I followed it. Written by user Egangrology I still don't know to this day what made me act so irrationally when I decided to follow that car on a whim. I tell myself sometimes that curiosity might have played a big part. But I always felt there was something more to it. I work night shifts because I'm simply unable to sleep or even rest when it's dark outside. I was told by a couple of doctors that there were treatments for this kind of thing. But I never had any real problem with it. 
I don't have much of a social life, but I'm fine with just working. And to be honest, there's just something about sleeping during the day and knowing that there's light outside that brings me great comfort. I'm not afraid of the dark or anything like that, but I could never wrap my head around the fact that most people go to bed when the world is shrouded in darkness. I always found that weird as a kid, and I guess it just stuck with me and my brain as I transitioned into adulthood. This is why I still drive around for another two or three hours after I leave work before I head back home. I go on my night rides and enjoy some music until the first rays of sunlight show up. One day, however, as I was heading back home somewhere around 6.30 a.m., a car drove past me and I just happened to look at it. There was a child in the back seat of the car, no older than 10. She had something over her head, like a jacket or maybe just a drape of some kind. Possibly meant to keep her hidden, but doing a very poor job at it. And she looked out the window toward me and waved. I noticed something not only incredibly odd, but also extremely chilling. She had bandages all around her face, covering her eyes as well as the bridge of her nose. And I saw two crimson spots where her eyes should be. It only lasted for a few seconds at the moment, and yet it felt like I latched onto her non-existent gaze for far longer than that. I then watched the car drive away threatening to leave me behind as dozens of questions lit up my brain. It surely was none of my business. But the more I thought about what I just witnessed, the more I felt like I was entitled to some answers. You ever seen someone have a meltdown at the mall or witness something that just makes you stick around for a little too long or just to see what's going to happen next? It was exactly like that. Except that in this case, I couldn't just stay put. Not only did I have to keep driving, I would also have to follow whoever was driving that car with what appeared to be a recently blinded child. And that's what I did. Against any possible good judgment I might have had at that particular time. I knew right away that it wasn't a disguise or makeup of any kind. This might be hard to believe, but there was something about that kid and her whole demeanor that made me so sure of that fact. If she had just been through some kind of surgery or medical procedure, I couldn't imagine her being released from hospital care so soon, and especially in that condition. Of course, there was also the possibility that she was in need of care, being driven to a hospital on that Sunday morning. But I knew the roads well enough to know that there was no such destination anywhere in that direction. Not only that, but whoever was driving the car didn't appear to be in any kind of rush either. I tried to keep my distance since there was barely any other cars on the road at that time, until a gas station eventually came into view. One I don't think I've ever spotted before that day. And sure enough, the car I was tailing seemed like it was going to stop by. So I pulled over as well. I was a little worried and hesitant at first because the gas station appeared to be abandoned, which might have been why I never actually paid much attention to it in the first place. Sure enough, there were other cars and people there, coming and going about their business. It only occurred to me when I was parking my car that I had no idea what I was doing, 
know what exactly my next course of action should be. I wasn't just going to take someone's child and bring them along with me without having a clear picture of what was going on. Because that's a recipe sure to have you killed by cops by the end of the day. The other car parked somewhere nearby as well, so I decided to stay put inside my own and wait to see how things would develop. Maybe they had noticed that I'd been following them for a while and decided to see for themselves whether I was onto them or not. And that wasn't the case. After a couple of minutes, a woman wearing a black veil and dressed in all black stepped out of the driver's seat. I really couldn't tell much other than the fact that this was a woman, that she didn't seem concerned in the least with her surroundings, which meant I was in the clear. At first glance, and judging by her body language, nothing about her seemed to indicate that she was up to no good. Other than her peculiar sense of style, she seemed relatively normal. I stuttered to wonder whether I'd imagined the child with the bleeding eyes in her back seat. I found myself hoping that I wasn't wrong, which is quite a morbid thought to have, but the other alternative would be me beginning to go slightly crazy, which seemed like a far scarier thought at the time. The woman walked over to the other side of the car and silently knocked on the window of the passenger seat at the back. Only then did I notice that she was carrying a small plastic bag. Not a purse or a wallet, just some white, generic plastic bag. She bent over a little so her eye level would match the window of the car, and stayed like that for a minute or two before leaving. She had to have been talking to someone, and in my head that was all the confirmation that I needed that I wasn't crazy. I observed her as she walked all the way over to the station itself, but instead of going for the main entrance... She went towards one to the side, likely reserved for staff. And sure enough, by the time she got there, someone had opened the door and poked their head outside, no doubt waiting for her arrival. The woman stepped inside. The other person looked around briefly before closing the door behind them. Something was up, and I didn't like whatever I was feeling brewing up in the pit of my stomach. I'd followed the car mostly out of curiosity, I thought. But at that point in time, I found myself mostly concerned for the child's condition and overall safety. If anything, I had to make sure whether the kid was alright or not before either taking some action or simply moving on with my life. I didn't know for how long the woman in black would be gone, but the fact that she entered through the back door of the building probably meant it was unlikely for her to have a clear view of her car, so I shouldn't have problems in approaching it and seeing what was up. I stepped out of my car pretended to check my dead phone and looked around for a bit while trying not to look suspicious at all. Eventually, I mustered up the courage and walked straight towards the side of the car where I'd seen the kid. I looked inside the car but didn't see anyone, at least not right away. I quickly noticed something shuffling underneath a blanket in the back seat and I figured that it had to be the girl, doing a very poor job of keeping herself hidden, which is what I assumed the woman had instructed her to do. Once again, I simply didn't know what exactly I was going to do or could do in that situation, let alone how I would react when finally facing that poor kid. I didn't have time to spare, so I knocked softly on the window. The shuffling stopped abruptly until whatever was under the drapes perked up and cast it aside, revealing itself as it turned towards the source of the sound. 
My heart sank, not out of fear, but pity. I don't have any kids, but there was something so sweet and pure about this little girl that I was immediately crushed by the sight of her bandages and what ravages lay underneath. The blood spots on her bandages only made it worse. They had formed two little circles where the eyes would normally be, which then trickled downwards, forming two uneven lines, almost giving the impression that she'd been crying. Whatever happened to this girl? I know she didn't deserve it, is what I remember thinking. Hello? She said, with a voice that didn't seem to indicate that she was in any kind of pain or distress. Hey, hi. She immediately flinched, no doubt after hearing a stranger's voice and moved further away from the window before retreating back under the covers. Don't worry, it's okay. Can you roll down the window a little, please, so I don't have to talk so loud? She remained perfectly still, probably thinking I'd just go away or forget that she was in there if she just stopped moving entirely. I didn't want to put too much pressure on her because I didn't know what exactly she had been through. Except, of course, missing her two fucking eyes. But I also couldn't just drop it. You waved your hand to me a while ago. I saw you on the road. Are you alright? Is everything okay? I said as gently and concerned as I could. Only when I said those words out loud did it finally hit me. When I first saw her, I could tell that she was waving to me. I knew that she knew I was there, in my car, driving alongside hers. But how could that be? If she was indeed missing her eyes, which from the looks of it was really the case. And I know she wasn't really responding to the sound of a car nearby. No, it wasn't just that. I could tell she was communicating with someone she knew to be there, on the receiving end. I barely had any time to process this realization when I saw her immediately come out from under the blankets as soon as I had spoken. She then moved back to her original seat and rolled the window all the way down, now seemingly and inexplicably no longer afraid of my presence. Oh, you're the nice mister, she said, implying that she knew something about me. I didn't know this girl. In fact, I don't even know when was the last time I interacted with a kid. But from the way she talked, you'd believe she knew me to some degree. But she couldn't possibly know me, or more than anything, she couldn't have possibly seen me or recognized me from anywhere. Not when she had those bloody bandages over her eyes. Realizing this made me snap back to reality and ask her the only question that mattered. Hey, are you okay? Yes, mister. Are you sure? Yes. Is something wrong? Was there something wrong? I thought about it for a moment and considered the possibility that I was prying too much on someone else's business. If there was a logical explanation for the girl's condition, then I was being a creep who could very well be traumatizing a kid over her physical injuries for nothing. I don't know if I simply didn't want to be in the wrong or 
if you consider the bad guy. But something about this whole thing just didn't seem right. Something was off, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. You don't look okay to me. Did something happen to your eyes? Oh, today's my birthday. So my mother took them. She answered, beaming with a smile. It wasn't so much what she said, but how she said it that made me feel sick. For all intents and purposes, she truly believed she had given me a fairly normal reply, and that no follow-up whatsoever would be needed. The lack of correlation between one thing and the other made my stomach churn. I didn't understand, and hoped that the girl had simply expressed herself in a wrong way. And yet, there was no denying that this child was missing her eyes. That much had become obvious to me. I don't understand. Was there something wrong with your eyes? Mother said I was chosen to make way, so she had to take them out. I paused for a moment, which allowed me to finally take notice of how badly I had started to sweat. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I didn't know what the hell was going on, and asking further questions would likely push me further down this mindfuck of a rabbit hole. I just wanted to leave. I wanted to get back in my car, get back on the road, and drive straight home for a much-needed drink before hitting the sack and cursing myself to sleep for not minding my own business. But as I looked at the young girl, I couldn't bring myself to just abandon her like that. I couldn't leave without having a clear picture of what was going on. Somehow I just felt like I already knew too much by then. And if she was in need of help and I happened to be in a position where I could provide it. I would never forgive myself for turning my back on her. And so I asked, Make way for what? I still remember her words to this day because it's not just something one would easily forget. And yet I cannot bring myself to actually write it all down. Not word for word, at least, because the way she spoke it was just so. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is that my own wording will have to do. From what I understood, it was all mostly about blood. Not her blood, but someone else's. She referred to her eye sockets as gates from where their blood would flow unto our land. Despite how obviously insane it all sounded to me, I could tell it wasn't something she was making up on the spot. Just as much as I knew that she wasn't delusional. No. She was very clearly reciting something that she had learned by heart. Something, someone, had taught her and pounded it into her little brain until it became truth, a belief. 
She never gave up any specific information, nor did she mention actual names, only weirdly sounding ranks. But it was all more than enough for me to come to the conclusion that it had to be a crazed cult of sorts or something like that. I've never been much of a religious person, and I've always thought that people should be allowed to believe in and pray to whatever they wanted as long as they're not hurting anybody else. But this? Removing a child's eyes into the belief that someone else's blood would come pouring through them from the fuck knows where? Unfathomable. Unforgivable. Insane. Those were the words my brain kept screaming. Being faced with this strange reality was a shock for sure. But by this point I was angry above all else and I was determined to save her. I had to take her with me. Where? I didn't know, but it didn't matter as long as we got the hell out of there. Just as I found my resolve to act, the girl spoke up almost immediately, even before I said anything. Almost as if she knew what was going through my mind. No, she said firmly. You can't. I was at a loss for words, and whenever I tried to say something, she'd be one step ahead. You will die. The only way for you to be alive by the end of the day is to go back to your car, alone. I shook my head and tried opening her door, but it was locked. You have to go. Mother's on her way back now. I'd completely forgotten about her. In fact, I'd forgotten about most things completely due to the nature of the discussion I was having. I immediately shot up and looked around, but there didn't appear to be anyone heading our way. I can't let you stay with these people. Something is very wrong with them. You understand? You need to come with me. I'll get you to the police or hospital or something, but you have... They're all part of it. Most of them are around these parts. You can't do anything, because you don't really know anything. Only one person can save me, and it's not you. Something about the way she spoke just devastated me. It wasn't so much the fact that she appeared to have accepted what had been done to her, but rather how truthful and final her statement seemed to be. She was right. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what I was actually getting myself into. Not until I saw a glimpse of it. The reality of it. And yet... I know you can't possibly want this, I told her. The next words I heard were uttered from behind my back. Step away from the car. I turned around and froze. Just in front of me, not twenty feet away, was the woman that had been driving the car. The one dressed in black, with a dark veil still covering her face. The woman the girl referred to as Mother and just beyond her, neither too close or too far from where she was standing, were another 15 people or so, all just standing perfectly still. I recalled what the girl said about me dying, and fear suddenly took over. I could feel it in the air and in the presence of all those individuals, but mother especially. She was the one that fervently gave off that sensation the most, that I was nothing to them, and that they could get rid of me as easily as someone flushes shit down the drain. 
They looked at me almost as if I wasn't human like the rest of them. Just an aberrant, lowly life form that had trespassed upon their affairs. You shouldn't have followed us. You shouldn't have come here, the woman said, almost with a hint of sadistic satisfaction. And you definitely should not have talked to the living gate, maggot. She took a step towards me, as did all the others. I instinctively took a step back, but immediately hit the side of the car, as I had nowhere else to go. For a brief moment, I really thought I was going to die then and there over something that was so beyond my comprehension. But I was saved. Mother! The girl in the car shouted. I immediately turned around to see what had caused her to shout. And the sight I was met with was enough to make my legs go numb as I hit the ground, horrified. The girl had removed her bandages and through the crimson, freshly carved holes where her eyes used to be. An impossible amount of blood appeared to be spilling out. It's time. We have to go. The girl continued, seemingly unfazed by what was happening to her. I tried to look away, but I couldn't avert my gaze from what I was witnessing. And that's what allowed the mother to approach from behind without me taking notice right away. The girl is the one that alerted me to it. Leave him. Do not touch him. The girl said. I turned to see the woman in black towering above me as she appeared to be staring intently at the girl inside the car. Of course. The woman replied as she turned to face me. She lifted the veil that covered her face only slightly enough to reveal her lips and promptly spit on me. I couldn't react to anything that was happening, as I felt it was just taking everything I still had left in me to hang on to any semblance of sanity. Rejoice, filth. The drowning has begun. Soon you will be washed away by his blood, along with all of this. She said disgustingly as she waved her hands around towards the barren landscape in view. And just like that, without saying any word, she got back inside her car and left along with the girl who seemed to have waved at me one last time as they drove away. All the other bystanders quickly got into their cars as well and followed theirs, leaving me behind in a cloud of smoke and dirt as if I'd never been there in the first place. I don't remember much of what happened next. But I do know that it took me a while to collect my thoughts, get back on my feet, and drive home. As you might have guessed, I never mentioned this to anyone, ever. Not until now. Even though I knew perfectly well that I hadn't imagined anything that happened to me on that early morning, I found myself trying not to dwell on it, see if I could forget some part of it, no matter how small. Now that I think back on it, I can see that I was simply trying to forget that I wasn't able to save that girl. It ate away at my conscience constantly whenever I tried picturing just what might have become of her. The sensation of helplessness and guilt haunted me for a long time, until the day I broke down and finally decided to investigate on my own, 
See if I could find any information whatsoever about any of it. That religion, or whatever it was, the people involved, as well as the girl and what had become of her. My investigative skills didn't amount to anything. But one night I ended up overhearing a conversation at a bar by pure chance. A couple of guys, truckers, I think, were arguing about weird shit they'd seen on the road. It was almost like a drunken game to them, each trying to one-up the other every chance they got. But one of them got real quiet all of a sudden, right before he started talking about a strange incident from a few years ago. He wasn't there to see it for himself, he said, but a guy he knew from the local police force told him about it. A car had crashed. Two fatalities. A woman and a young girl. He mentioned that the police swept it under the rug as an accident like so many others, when everybody involved knew that it was anything but normal. First, he said, it was obvious that this poor girl was missing her eyes way before the crash. But for some reason, the official version is that the crash itself caused all their injuries. Don't ask me why. And second, he paused, took a sip of his drink, and continued in a hushed tone. And second, the car had been nearly overflowing with fucking blood. Either that or there had to be some other passengers or deaths that remained unaccounted for for some reason. Why, you ask? Because there's no way a couple of bodies, one of them belonging to a weak kid, mind you, would result in such a spillage of blood. He waited for his buddy to say something or react in some way, but he just stared at him with his mouth hanging open. Yeah. I think he said something about signs of a struggle. But like I said, only the girl and woman were found in that wreck. All that blood painted an impossible area of the road. My buddy's exact words. I tell ya, wasn't roadkill either. Had to be something else. Deep down, I think that was all I needed to hear. Learning of her death crushed my soul. But I can't say I ever held out much hope. It wasn't until I got home that night that I recalled what she had said to me. Only one person can save me, and it's not you. I could be wrong because I'm just a guy that doesn't know much about anything. But I think she was talking about herself. I think she caused the car to crash. But was that a decision that she made on the spot? Or was it something she knew would happen? Or that she could make it happen? Like I said, I don't know. But I do think about it from time to time. Either way, the truth is that whatever was put into motion that day came to a sudden halt with her death. And my gut tells me that she was somehow responsible for it. And yet, I can't say I'm at peace. Because I worry that, in time, there will be others trying to bring about the exact same thing. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us 
at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at CreepyPod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number. SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. Do you remember your name? Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.